Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is The Good Life, Part 7, Pure Heart, recorded Sunday, February 18th, 2024. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. And we're in this series, The Good Life, and today the verse that we're going to focus on is from Matthew chapter 5, 8, where Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How awesome is that, that you can see God? All I have to do is have a clean heart. And when I thought about that this week, initially I thought, I'm sunk. How does that strike you? I mean, the first, you know, I, all I got to do to see God is just to have something impossible happen, have a pure heart. I would be very surprised if anyone in this room says, oh, that's me, pure heart. And when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, yeah, that's me. I mean, I can see my spiritual condition clearly and say, you know what? Apart from him, there's poverty and brokenness in my soul. No problem with that. Blessed are those who mourn, not difficult. When I see what sin has done to me and what it's done to you and how it affects our world and how it seems like every day, day after day, we see the effects of sin in our world and we lose people who die because of sin. Yeah, mourning's no problem for me. When Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, yeah. When Jesus says, those who mourn, not difficult. But how about this thing about pure at heart? No. Now, by the way, I would tell you a better translation for this, I believe, is instead of using the word pure, use the word clean. Best, uh, the best word here, I think, is blessed are the ones who are clean of heart, for they will see God. That seems a little more possible to me. Uh, they will see God. Now, that's another thing. As far as I know, except for the very first two humanoids that inhabited this planet who were pure in heart for like a minute. No one's been able to accomplish that since then until Jesus came in, okay? Moses wanted it. He wanted to see God. And it said in Exodus 33:20, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. Some have tried to see God, but... Whatever happened, it used, basically they got annihilated in, the, in an instant. So blessed are the clean in heart. They will see God. Oh, by the way, people started seeing God. It was in around AD 30 when Jesus stepped into our world and said, here I am. And he made himself known. And he made the impossible possible. But nevertheless, to see him, I need to be clean. And no matter how impossible the idea of your heart and life becoming clean, and how outlandish the idea of seeing God may seem, when you discover him and you believe in him, that becomes possible. You can be cleansed. You can see God. Now let's talk about 
the heart for a minute. We need some definitions because as you know in this series, the things that we think Jesus has said sometimes are different than what we want them to say. So what is Jesus talking about when he talks about the heart? Because his understanding of the heart is different than most of ours. Like when I think about the heart, I think about that physical unit inside my chest that's, you know, that's, that's pumping blood through the course of my veins and giving my body life. Or I might think about the heart in terms of Valentine's Day on Wednesday. Where is that Wednesday? I don't know. They run together. Where, you know, my wife and I give each other a cute little card and we, there might be flowers involved, maybe some chocolate, something like that. And, and we say sweet things to each other because we love each other. So I think about, about love, you know. Jesus' definition includes this, the entire cognitive and emotional essence of a human being. It's how I think. It's how I think about me. It's how I think about you. It's, it's, it's my emotions and how they follow my thinking. It's how we make choices. It's how I define myself and define others. It's my entire essence. My core, my essentiality. The heart. Now here's another important definition. I guess I would say this is what purity is not. This is what it's not. It doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean that I'll never have bad thoughts or that somehow I'll just suddenly be able to stop sinning as much as I want to. John the Apostle says this in 1 John 1, 9. If we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. All the way through life, until we die, we struggle with sin. That doesn't mean we shouldn't struggle. As a matter of fact, we should. We should try to be more and more like Jesus with every breath we take. That's called sanctification, by the way. And that's a process, too. It's the idea that the Holy Spirit comes into your life and gives you some equipment, some resources to overcome sin in your life as you trust him day after day. But on life's road, we, we battle to the very end of our days with temptational thinking. And that's a battle we will fight until the end. Pure in heart. Pure in heart is not a sinless life. Pure in heart is also not being self-cleansed. Self-cleansed. Like the, the people who walked up that hillside when Jesus gave this message, the Sermon on the Mount that we call it, these people, they, they, they struggled every moment of their day with the understanding of cleanliness. Here's why. Because for their entire lives, their religion had been telling them that they had to do things so they could be made right with God and be clean before God and feel clean. And so their Jewish religion had evolved into this obsession with being clean. And their theologians over the centuries had taken the law of Moses and built this impossible system of details that people had to follow to the nth degree so they could somehow be made right before God. But unfortunately, it created a phony lifestyle of outer religious behavior and completely missed out on the heart of the person. So for much of Jesus' teaching, 
he warns that religion is lived on the outside, but a life is changed from the inside out. And the outside isn't clean until the inside is changed, cleansed. I, I see examples of this in real life with my grandboys. And maybe you do with your kids or grandkids too. Like, just like you, we do the very best we can with these little dudes to teach them not just to be complete barbarians, okay? I'm just going to say it. So we, we instruct them as to, you know, how to live, you know, how to live their lives, what's nice and what's naughty. And, you know, we have a little system that we've created, probably like you have too, even if you don't want to admit it, where, you know, they get rewards if they're nice little boys and they're, they get some punishments or s some restrictions if they're not. So, you know, parents will say things like, pick up your toys about 400 times a day. Pick up your toys. And, and they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then, well, if you pick up your toys then, and then there's some reward, they might get around to it. Or if you don't pick up your toys then, that might have some impact on them. Okay, so be nice to your brother. You'll get more brothers. <laughs> My wife hopes that's what they're saying, but... I don't think they're saying that. I'm just telling you right now. But anyway, see, oftentimes being the parent requires that methodology because we live in a broken world. <laughs> but oftentimes their behavior has nothing to do with a clean heart as much as it does that they have been bribed by sugar or by a new toy or by not being restricted or whatever it is. And that happens with us too, doesn't it? Like we kind of live our lives in that kind of thinking. Like even though my heart's not in it, if I do some stuff, well then I'll, I'll get perks, I'll get blessing, I'll, I'll avoid discipline. So how can I have a clean heart? Because if it doesn't mean sinlessness, thank goodness, because I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm glad about that. And if it's not about religious ritualism being lived out perfectly, thank goodness for that. What does it mean? Two things. Here's a couple things at least. There might be more, but I'm going to focus on these two things. A pure heart is, first of all, an undivided heart. And it's also a heart made clean. And emphasis is on the word made. Okay, let's talk about it. Undivided heart. A person who has an undivided heart is one who has a united and healthy heart with God. Jesus talks a lot about this, and in this sermon he's going to address it in several different ways over the course of the time we learn from it. But here's one such place. This is in Matthew 6, 22. He says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then here's the key, the, 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 here's the clincher for me. No one can serve two masters. The undivided heart is the heart that tries to serve two masters. And it operates with unhealthy eyes. Now, I, I've, my, since I was in high school, I, I first read the Lord of the Rings books, and some of you like that, some don't, I get it, but 
There's this character in that book. His name is either Smeagol or Gollum, depending on what he's doing at the time, okay? And he shows us perfectly what, an un, what a divided heart looks like. So this character, this Smeagol character, he really wants to come to the good side of things, and he wants to be loyal to, to, to in this case, his master Frodo, and he, and, and he wants to change the way he is. But then there's this Gollum character that just drags him into the, the, the abyss of, of hatred and anger, and he's contradictory in terms of his heart because his heart's being manipulated by his overwhelming draw to this powerful ring that's corrupted his heart. And so his heart's divided. I was thinking about that this week. Like, what is it that divides my heart? What is it that, you know, that, that, that it's out there and it's like something that my eyes will refuse to not look at anymore, for instance? Like, like is there something that, that is, you know, it gets in the way of the prize, you know, that God really calls me to? And I will ask you, how long are you going to toy with the same temptations and sins and at the same time try to keep one foot in the, in the ways of Jesus? Like that's divided heart. And it creates division and contradiction. Is there something in your life? And when will you stop being divided and say, well, if nothing else, I'm full in Jesus? Okay? Now, I'm not perfect. And neither are you, as much as I don't think you think you are either. But we can focus. The, the divided heart doesn't focus. I'm done being divided. I'm going to be oneness of purpose. I'm going to look at life with healthy eyes now. I'm going to try to find the blessing of unified and undivided living. I, there's blessing in that. And when I'm there, I'm, it is a blessing. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. So an undivided heart. Here's another thing that a a clean heart might look like. It's a heart that's made clean. People on the mountainside, they come to see Jesus. They've been told all of their lives, these people, they've been told all their lives that they needed to be clean to be accepted by God, which is true. But most of them gave up on the idea that they could be clean a long time before that. It was just an impossible task for them to somehow live up to this religion of, of constant purification. You know, they had all these rituals where you had to clean your hands and clean your head, and you had to, all these ceremonial things they had to do to be right with God. And here comes Jesus on that mountainside, and he offers them a clean heart, but he, he is going to show them what that means. It, it means not being ritually made clean over and over again. It means being born again. Born again. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you've been baptized into Jesus Christ, a bond between you and God occurs that cleanses you. Now, there's all kinds of scripture that relates to this. The apostle Peter, Peter summarized for the Jewish audience who had become aware of that they killed God's anointed son, the Messiah of God, they'd killed him on a cross. And so for like 50 days, the whole city is in rage, knowing that a raised Jesus had made himself known. And how could they have ever been complicit in the crucifixion of God? Peter stood up before the city and he said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And he says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now look, you can't deny it. It's an unimaginable sin to crucify God on a cross. And Peter says, you want to be cleaned up? Admit it, repent of it, be washed, be made clean. You do that, the Spirit of God will come into you and we will learn in the scriptures that means the cleaning continues to occur. I mean, think about this. This is only made possible through God. I mean, what's the point of having a clean heart? I mean, if it's not just because, quite frankly, only God can do it. Because like I could say, well, I'm going to have a clean heart and that means I'll be a better person. Or I can get a clean heart and, um, I don't know, I'll like myself more. I'll like myself more. Okay, well, maybe. I mean, I think being right with God makes me more likable and a better human, and I think being right with God makes me like myself more. I will say that's true. But that is not the goal. The goal of the Jewish person before Jesus came was to be able to have connection, fellowship with God. That's why they did all these rituals. And it was incomplete. When Jesus came, the goal is still to have fellowship with God. But it's different now. If you were here last week, I, you heard me teach from 1 Corinthians six eleven, where it says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That was after listing all these rotten, horrible things that human beings do. But because Jesus came, cleansing comes. Now that word justification, that is a legal term. It's used in courtrooms today. And what it means is in Christ, God drops all the charges against me. And I'm telling you in this good life that we now have access to by Jesus, the charges can be dropped. I mean, the reason that I am promised life and eternity is not because I'm without sin, it's because I'm justified. The charges have been dropped, but here's the deal. Here's the plea bargain, if you will. It's not that there was no punishment. Nope. Jesus took himself he took my sins, my punishment on himself, my guilt, my punishment, as Isaiah puts it in Isaiah 53, 6, we all like sheep. We all includes whom? All? We are like sheep. We've gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. He paid for my crimes of sin. My sentence has been satisfied. I will not be charged as guilty and judged to punishment because he took that punishment. And I'm not going to mock God with that. I'm going to be thankful. Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained this grace in which we now stand. So justification is the way that God cleanses us, 
And grace is the way he delivers it. It's a gift. Grace means gift. He delivers it. That's a beautiful thing. First John 1, 9. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That is an absolute, ironclad, legal promises, promise about our faithful and a God who will never fail you. Someone said this. It's a payment God cannot twice command. Justification describes the legal standing you have because of his mercy, his forgiveness, and how he loves us, not because we deserve it, but because of who he is. And God never wavers in that. He met the standard of justice when he took our sins upon himself and paid the penalty for our sins. And he forgives us. Now that's, that's amazing. We've talked about mercy already in this series. How by mercy we are made alive in his kingdom, how we have a place in his place through Jesus. And with any gift, as you know, there's one who gives it and there's one who receives it. In Micah chapter 719, it says, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea and when, when God throws your sins into the depths of the sea, that's just an ancient like, way of saying this, that, that God remembers them no more. And, and I like what one preacher said, an ancient preacher said, he also posts a sign that says, no fishing. And we like to fish, don't we? Come on. I like to fish in my own cesspool and bring up stuff that should have been buried in the depths a long time ago. You do that too, I know you do. We do it to each other. Well, yeah, but I still remember this, and I'll never forget it. What a blessing it is to say, blessed are those who are cleansed, for they will see God. I got this old 2005 Dodge truck. It's filthy. Like, I live in Nebraska in the winter. I need to take it to the car wash. I will do that someday. I'm a cheapskate. I don't want to do it every day, and I could, but it needs washed and cleansed. I will immediately, after I take it to the car wash, I will drive out on these Nebraska streets and roads, and it won't be long, maybe a half a day, maybe a day, maybe a minutes, and it will require cleansing. <laughs> it needs to be washed on a regular basis. I don't care what you drive. I don't care if you have a you have an Audi or a Mercedes-Benz or one of those really cool mom buses that are big enough to carry around 14 people and get about three miles to the gallon. And what, well, I don't care what your car is. When you bought that car, that salesman, if they said this, they were lying to you. They didn't say, oh, by the way, this car never needs to be washed again. All right. Now, your teenagers might think that's what the guy said, but he didn't say that, okay? Same with your clothes. I strategically today wore these jeans. Strategically, I thought about it. You know why? Because when I bought these jeans, people said, you should never wash these jeans. That, that, that's what they tell you. They said, you should never wash these jeans. I've owned them for months. The only water these jeans have ever met was when I initially put them in water to shrink them to fit. I'm glad I had to do that, by the way, to shrink them. It's usually not my case. But anyway, so again, I've never washed them. Now, there are people who say, you should never wash these jeans. You should freeze them, for instance. And I'm like, 
My food's in my freezer. These jeans ain't going to my freezer. Okay? Maybe you should just air them out. See, apparently people who take that stance either don't have a good objectivity about their body's impact on their genes, or they're just not concerned about it. Now, I'm going to wash these jeans someday. I, I promise you I will. I don't know. I'm just trying to say this. Justification is a way that God cleanses. Grace is the gift that continues that cleansing. Justification happens only once. Our legal standing with God is, is made solid and sure through Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And when we receive that, that's justification once and for all. But you know what? This cleansing, this is going to go on until the day we go to be with Jesus. 1 John, again, says 1 John 1, 8, 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is just, God purifies, he cleanses. We confess our sins, we trust him. You know, I, I, I think that there's a couple important things that happen in this next experience we have as a church when we commune together. This is really important to me, and I hope it is to you too. I hope it's, I hope it's a really important time for you. One of the things that I'm going to do, that I do almost every time we have this experience together, is I thank him. I thank him for actually giving me the right and opportunity to be cleansed. And then another thing I do is I think about me. God, what is it in my life right now that you need to continue? Like the car wash is open, okay? That's what I see this moment as. The car wash is open. And, 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 and I need to again come and say, you know what, God, even though I know that ultimately I'm okay, like right, th- right now in this moment, there's things. I'm going to say, I'm going to confess them to you. I'm going to, I'm going to confess my sin to you so that I know by your faithfulness and your justice, I will be made clean. So Lord, as we commune together, Titus 3 says, when the kindness of the love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy, that he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, to wash us, to regenerate us. And your love, you know, the love that we used to loathe, the love becomes the hope. We want more of it, Lord. Thank you for this moment. We can remember your great love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Okay, if I've heard this once or a thousand times, once I've heard it a thousand times, what does that mean? If I've heard this once, I've heard it a thousand times. I've probably said it a couple times. Well, you don't know what I've done. You have, you know, I've had a lot of preacher conversations with people. Well, you have no idea. Like when I talk to people about mercy and forgiveness and cleansing and a new start and or a restart, well, you have no idea. And like, I'm like, okay, you're probably right, and it might be bad, and 
definitely put Jesus on the cross, I can tell you that. But what he says is, and either he's right or you are, he says he can cleanse you. For some of you, that's an initial thing where you just say yes to Jesus. I'm going to stop being double-minded and I'm going to go his way. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to go your way. And so you're going to be baptized into Christ. You're going to be clothed with Christ. You're going to start a new life by being born again into a living hope. And for many of us, it'll be once again another trip to the car wash. I got a little dirty. I got a lot dirty. But you know what? His grace was true then. It's still true today. 1 John 3 talks about it this way. It says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.